get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. This is the Character and Smallman Podcast on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Carriker Smallman and Danny Mac on 101 ESPN at 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Great to have you with us. Michelle, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Randy. Good morning to you. You're being an LSU fan this morning. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. When I was at ESPN, we went to Baton Rouge for an LSU-Alabama game, and the people that work at LSU were so nice. They let us walk in the facilities and pick out some gear. So nice. I have way more LSU Tigers gear than I ever thought I would need, but it's very great. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. So Danny Mac <laughs> I and I are both, uh, we, we both got the Cardinal hoodies going. This yeah, week. we do. We're I know. We're baseball, I guess. And Emily has a red hoodie on, too. I'm the yeah. outlier here. Yeah. Hers is ESPN College Basketball, though. ESPN College Hoops. With College Hoops last night, I saw Randy at Chaffetz. I was right. at Chaffetz for the Billikens 127-54 route wow. of Harris Stowe. Harris Stowe walked across the street literally <laughs> and yeah. played the Billikens. And you think slew. they took a bus? No, they, really they literally walked across okay. the street. That's what I thought. Yeah. As a team? Yeah. The team walk? <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Billikens setting a record for most points in a half in the first half. They were three points off their all-time record for most points in a game. The... Margin of victory, 127 to 54, which would be 46 plus 27, 56, 66, 70, 71 points, largest margin of victory ever. The previous had been 69 set in the 1978-79 season. And Travis Ford, Danny, was able to get every player into the game. Yeah. Every player to score. You know, it's going to be interesting here. They've got uh, a game on Friday that they should win. And then next Tuesday, they'll face on the road number 12, uh, Memphis. And they're trying to figure out life without Javante Perkins. Mm -hmm. So uh, who's that guy that's going to step up? I I can tell you this. uh, Nesbitt, the freshman Mm -hmm. that transferred from Memphis, He's the real deal. He's a player. Yeah, Yuri Collins, r- really good player. But, uh, th- you know, this first month or so, we'll be trying to figure out the rotation. And uh, Gibson Jimerson had a really good game big last time night. Gibby Jim. Say that again. Big time Gibby Jim. Remember Tim Lincecum was big time oh, Gibby Jim? Oh, that's right. That's so I'm right. Going with big time Gibby Jim. I oh, like that. I like that, Randy. I do like that. So just trying to figure out the rotation for uh, Travis Ford and his basketball squad. But uh, I would assume that they're going to have more wins and losses this year and be highly competitive. Should be a fun team to watch. Your St. Louis Blues are back tonight at home against the Nashville Predators. And that game will take place at 7 o'clock, 6 o'clock pregame here on 101 ESPN. Yesterday, kids, the Cardinals... The Blues sent Jake Neighbors back to juniors. He had a nine-game tryout, and now he will spend the rest of his season down in the juniors because the Blues ostensibly didn't want him to play on a fourth line. He's better than a fourth-line player. Not that our fourth-line players are bad, but he's more skilled than a typical fourth-line player. And the Blues want him to get experience in the things that he's going to be doing at the NHL level once he gets here. Yeah, this seems to be the long-term play for the Blues, that they want him to go down there, get those reps, get that experience so that it will benefit him more when he does come up full-time. Excited to see the Blues back at home. They're playing so well. They stole a game the other night thanks to Jordan Bennington. The goaltending for the Blues has been sensational, and they've needed it with all these guys getting hit 
with the COVID protocol list, and uh, you, you get good goaltending like they've been getting, you, you know, you, you at least have a chance to win. I mean, I, I thought the game the other night, guys, and I'm sure you talked about it, but that easily could have been four or five to one mm-hmm. in favor of Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah, and their their goaltending has just been superb this year. The Blues team save percentage is 929, which is second in the National Hockey League. It was prior to the game the other night. It was sixth. And Nashville comes to town. It's the uh, back end of back-to-back games. They're two points back of the Blues. They play two more games. But uh, back to some normalcy because they're back in the same division as the Blues, which uh, obviously we didn't see a year ago. And the Blues got good news yesterday in that Braden Shen is skating again, mm-hmm. and we were thinking that was more of a long-term injury. Yeah. I was thinking that when so he came home to get checked out. So the fact that Army says he's day-to-day and that he's close is a boon to this club that I think over the long term is going to need him. You can get by without Braden Shen for a couple of weeks, but you can't get by without mm-hmm. Braden Shen for a couple of months. And Ryan O'Reilly? Yeah. I, I'll tell you what. I, I never... I know he's a great player. And when I watch him play on both ends of the ice, like the other night, he did not register a shot on goal, but he gets the biggest goal in the shootout. But you watch him just hound the puck, and you realize, because this is the first time we've seen him in St. Louis miss time. Mm -hmm. He hasn't been injured. And you notice when he's on the ice, and certainly David Perron does. Oh, yes. If I'm David Perron, I'm saying, okay, I'll sign back with you, but uh, Ryan O'Reilly's got to sign too long term because those two are just so good together. And then if you add Shen, it's it's a, a great line. So with those guys, when you have those big guys missing and talking about O'Reilly and talking about Shen, you just notice when their presence is missed for a considerable amount of time, Michelle. Sometimes you realize how valuable someone is when they're not there. You Absolutely. Don't know, you don't know how much you miss someone until it's gone. I think we saw that this season, too, with the Cardinals with Jack Flaherty. Yep. You know how great he is, but then when he's not there, it's such a glaring hole that you have in your rotation. Same thing with Ryan O'Reilly, except he was consistently present for the Blues since he was acquired from Buffalo. And the Blues were able to find ways to perform well and win without him, but they are a vastly different hockey team without Ryan O'Reilly out on Seriously, the ice. Seriously, how good is that guy? He's yeah. so good. Amazing. He really is. Baseball, the Cardinals, and the general managers meetings down in Carlsbad, California. And John Mozeliak and Michael Gersh. Why didn't you guys, uh, you know, get the morning show out there? You, you could have been up at 5 and gotten some live guests and gotten it sponsored, and you could be in California enjoying been, some nice weather. Would have been You need to get smart. on that, Dan. You need to pitch us these ideas before the event. Well, yeah. that's true. <laughs> I, I, I didn't think about it. Maybe I should have. What about the winter meetings, if they have the winter meetings? It depends on where they are. Or we're, if they have them. We're yeah. just hoping for spring training, Dan. Yeah. We're yeah, just hoping point. to go to spring good training. <laughs> I'm but, getting way ahead of it. You're right. Let's just get to spring training. Sorry, Randall. Go right no ahead. No problem. Mo and Gersh spoke to the media that is that covers the Cardinals down in Carlsbad, California, and was asked about the possibility of going out and getting a shortstop. And Mo defended the season of Paul DeYoung. He said to Katie Wu, a lot of people beat up on Paul DeYoung's season, and I'm not sure that's fair. He injured his ribs, and that's not an easy thing to come back from. No, he never got back on track, but he is a capable player, and when going well, he can be a dynamic player. Two years ago, he's a middle-of-the-order hitter for us. I think we need to have some level of patience, but it is our responsibility to understand what it all looks like. 
what it all looks like in reference to are you going to pursue this incredible free agent shortstop market? I will tell you in reading that answer, no, the Cardinals are not going to be swimming in those waters for one of those shortstops that so many people in St. Louis desire. That Mo translator says no. I know you want mm-hmm. us to go out and, and look at this, but or at least he's planting the seed that people should be viewing Paul DeYoung's season differently. Mm-hmm. I think that, but if you would have been approached with, uh, do you think there's any chance this time last year they go out and get Nolan Arenado? But no, no, that's not going to happen. That's fair. That's really fair. You know what I mean? Yeah, you you good play point. coy, and things happen. Things happen. You'd never know who falls through the cracks. And, and with this big shortstop class, um, I could see Trevor Story getting a one year deal and maybe reestablishing a bigger market for him for a long term deal. Does Javi Baez. You know, what's the appeal for him to play short or is he more of a multiple position player for certain teams? I could see that. But to the bigger question, you may or bigger point, you may have guys that fall through the cracks that the Cardinals will kick the tires on. But I do think that if they're going to spend the the money that they have by my looking at it, where the projected payroll could be, I mean, talking 30, 35 million dollars. So do you want that to go to maybe a frontline starter and some others that you bring in that maybe aren't frontline starters, but yet guys that could help you? Or are you better off saying, let's go out and and get ourselves a shortstop? You're, Paul DeYoung is owed $15 million guaranteed the next two years. And that's a big thing. That is. And Edmundo Sosa, are you a believer in a guy that had, I think it was a total of 326 at-bats? Did you see enough? Do you believe in him to come back next year? Now, he played in a lot fewer games than Paul DeYoung, but yet was uh, had two more runs to, d- defensive runs saved. The Cardinals actually, shortstops combined, Tommy Edmond involved in this too, they were number one in defensive runs saved among shortstops in the National League. They were third overall in baseball. So as we are seeing, this team is going to be defined by their defense and their pitching. So are you better off just saying we're good with what we have and let's go back into the pitching market? Dan, let me throw another fly into this ointment, another monkey into this wrench. I was told down the stretch of the season by a Cardinal front office employee that they really like Delvin Perez, that he had a good year. He's bulked up that he had a good year at Springfield, and they think by 2023, Delvin Perez will be competing for a job at the major league level. I had not heard that. The The things I had heard about him, though, was that he's starting to get it. So they're, they, they love him defensively, and if anybody's seen him, he's kind of tall. He's like if you grew up when Randy and I were watching baseball, shortstop was, you know, 5'10 and mm-hmm. could move, right? And then we had these guys that came in like A-Rod and Jeter and others that were kind of the taller guys. Some stayed lanky, some didn't for obvious reasons. <laughs> they got in the gym, Michelle. Yeah, okay, okay, um, got it. You know, Nomar Garcia Parra, another one. But defensively, really good. Now, mm-hmm. in plate, discipl- plate discipline at times is much better with Delvin Perez. But I'll also throw, throw this one out at you guys, too. The other factor with this, if I'm the Cardinals, is Nolan Gorman. And you're saying, now, wait a minute, he didn't play shortstop. You're right. But Tommy Edmond can. So do you look at Nolan Gorman then being a second baseman? And the people I've talked to are raving about his defense. Now, in doing games last spring and watched him play a ton of games at third, he was really good at third defensively. So does that transfer over to second base? The people I talked to that had him in the satellite camp and in the minors are saying, 
yeah, he, he, mm. he's going to be just fine playing second base. And do you shift then if others don't come to the forefront? Tommy Edmond is short, or does he become kind of a super utility guy? Just something to think about. My fearless predictions for the shortstop class in free agency is that Seager goes to the Yankees. I agree. Correa goes to the Tigers, rejoins Agreed. A.J. Hinch. Yep. I think Baez stays with the Mets. What about Seattle? Possibly. You, you could see that. Yeah, I, I, they are thrilled with J.P. Crawford there. Yes, and they have looked at even going with the guy, the incumbent shortstop, and saying, hey, we may put you at third, we may play at second. Yeah. Well, that's Javi Baez, right. too. I mean, if you just yeah. brought him in. And then I believe that Trevor Story winds up with Houston because they're trying to defend an, uh, uh, an mm-hmm. American League championship. That's and a good point. And they need a shortstop. Now, they, are they, they have one coming. For, right, but he's not ready. So I could easily see Story there on a, a, a two- or three-year deal. I, I'm just fascinated, though. If you're his agent, guys, would you say um, let's let's just take the best one year deal we get and reestablish the market and go in when you're not going against Seager and all these mm-hmm. different Correa and all these different guys. And now you open yourself up to the entire league even more so. But next year you're going against Trey Turner. That's only one, though. And he, I, I would be shocked if he wouldn't resign with the Dodgers, especially if Seager moves you, on. You would think that he would. Yeah. Right. We're off and running here. We it's, are off and running. Yeah. It, we touched a lot of things there. Yes, we did. We did. Yes. There's a lot of sports going on. Touching lives. And we would like to hear from you through, uh, throughout the course of the day. Nice call, if, Michelle. If, if, Let's just have our own conversation yeah. as Randy does his thing. That's fine. If the Cardinals <laughs> do go to spring and training with you? Paul DeYoung and with uh, Edmundo Sosa as their shortstops, are you cool with it? We want to take your mic drops. We want to take your texts throughout the course of the morning, 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock. We're also going to get Greg Amzinger's take on that at the bottom of the hour. I would say this, too. I, I think, and I don't know what you guys think about this, I would think there's a lot of fans that will either text or do a mic drop and say, hey, guys, don't be uh, clouded in your judgment with the 17-game winning streak. Remember where this team was offensively for a good portion of the season where they did not hit. So are you better off trying to find another bat? Now, maybe that bat comes from an internal option like Gorman. I'm going to throw Jordan Walker out there, too, by the end of the year, maybe, which Mm -hmm. is crazy to say, but could happen. Um, Or are you better off saying, hey, go out and get that bat? We'll see. That's Dan. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. Good job, Randy. Thank you. Sick of it is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. A little game of sick of it here on 101 ESPN with Michelle Smallman and Dan McLaughlin. I'm Randy Carricker. It is great to have you with us. And we know that you're sick of a lot of things. So send us a text 65780 on the Air Comfort Service text line. Whatever you're sick of. Michelle, take it away. You know what I'm sick of? Talking about athletes and whether or not they're vaccinated. With this Aaron Rodgers story that came out. You stole mine. Oh, did I really? Yes. Oh, I'm so sorry, Dan. It's okay. We can have a joint sick of it then. All right, let's do it. We got into this business and people listen to sports because they want to talk about the games. They want to talk about greatness. They want to talk about matchups. They want to talk about the drama that sports provides and the entertainment that sports provides. No one is like, you know why I love sports? Because I want to hear about the injury report. No one's like, I want to I want to get into sports because I want to talk about the player's health. And yes, when it's Aaron Rodgers and he's one of the biggest athletes in the country and he's unavailable and he's trying to get moved, it becomes part of a larger story. 
But I'm just so sick of it. I'm sick of talking about athletes testing positive for COVID. The entire thing. I just wish that this would all be over and we could just start talking more about the games and why, why, which we do. But I just I don't even want that to be part of the conversation anymore. I'm sick of it. Let's see, uh, 618 here. I, I would kind of piggyback on this, by the way. Sick of it. I'm sick of the taunting penalties. Kind of with that. I mean, the NFL had a terrible call the other day. You know, it is the no fun league. I What the hell? Let them do whatever they want. Who cares? It's going to go on Instagram anyway. You know, it's funny. Twitter, who cares? They let them do whatever they want off the field. But, right. but well, on apparently. the field, they want them to be, yeah. <laughs> to be censored. Great citizens. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Break. I am sick of a smart guy like Scott Boris, who, by the way, is a cardinal guy. He grew up in the cardinal farm system. He was His first client was Keith Hernandez. Wow. That's how he became an agent. But yesterday in Carlsbad, he holds a meeting with tons and tons of media and actually blamed the Atlanta Braves for putting together their world championship club. Yeah, it is ridiculous. He says the rules allow them to be a less than 500 team on August 1st and then add four or five players from teams that no longer wanted to compete. And for very little cost changed the entirety of their team and season. Well, it's been happening since uh, the trade deadline was ever instituted X amount of years ago. Give me a break. And and Scotty, they were trying. They gave Acuna the big contract. He got hurt. Christian Pache was one of the best prospects in baseball. It's not their fault that Marcel Ozuna got involved with the domestic violence. They had to go out. Mike Soroka got hurt. Right. They were trying from the beginning. They signed Charlie Morton. Yeah. That wasn't a team that Drew Smiley got $10 million. Right. Yeah. they, They were not a team that decided, oh, we're going to be under 500 and then go for it because we have a chance at the trade deadline. They had to make those moves because of injuries. That team should be rewarded for the aggressiveness that they Mm -hmm. showed at the trade deadline, not uh, dismissed because they were under 500 on August 1st. And he would counter and say, well, look at the, the players they got back. Well, Jorge Soler was terrible for Mm -hmm. the better part of the season in Kansas City. He was awful. Jock Peterson was on a bad team. And when you have a bad team and you have a a one-year deal with an existing contract of a player that's not coming back, you deal him. That was the Cubs. Uh, Richard Rodriguez, I could make the case that if Pittsburgh, and they're in a constant rebuild, it seems like, but if you're doing that and you're a rebuilding team, that's one of your chips. So you trade him. It's it's that's business 101 in baseball, the trade deadline. And here's another thing about Scott Boris. I was listening to an interview he was conducting yesterday on MLB Network Radio with Ryan Spielberg. And I tweeted Spilly and said, hey, ask him what he thinks of a salary floor. Which you would think if there's a $100 million salary floor, which the owners have offered, that would prohibit teams from tanking, right? Vehemently against a salary floor. Huh. So, so you got to make up your mind, yeah. Scotty. Well, yeah. their big thing is the cap on what you can spend on draft choices. Mm-hmm. So you get that top draft choice, and then all of a sudden you know what you can pay him and make sure you dedicate the money to that player and bring him in. And again, that's a product of him holding people like J.D. Drew and Mark Appel from their teams. That's a good and point. Those, those guys not signing with the teams they drafted. That's a good point. But who's uh, Is your is, phone going off? Is that my phone? My phone doesn't sound is like that me. part of the music? I don't know. Somebody's phone. It's is. coming from your direction, Randy. Oh, it's our little clock here. Oh. Yeah, I have my headphones in. Okay, let me press a button here, see if I can. Uh, here, this is what it is. I'm sick of Randy. Can I have a sick of it? I'm sick yeah. of Randy not having the wherewithal to go. handle technology. What What's that clock for? Yeah, well, that's so that I know when to go to breaks. When I, I usually don't get to them on time anyway. Because we don't really have a clock in the studio. True. So. That True. was kind of funny, Randall. 
So that's what it was. That's, that's the deal. All right, text uh, Emily, 65780. <laughs> From the 615, I'm sick of it that Denver can support all five major sports and St. Louis can't. Only difference is that Stan owns three of those teams. Well, I would say Denver has a massive influx of people that are moving there. <laughs> well, I'm sick of the narrative where somebody I was reading yesterday, and we need to look this up. Maybe you guys can Google this very quickly. But okay. the Nielsen uh, Top 25 TV markets, I believe the St. Louis market is number 22 or 23. Mm-hmm. Correct. So they're saying, well, I mean, why would St. Louis get an NFL franchise? I mean, look at where they're at in the TV markets. And I start saying, well, hold on now. What about Buffalo, Jacksonville? You know, you start looking at some of the uh, the other teams that are in the NFL that well, are beyond St. Louis in rankings of uh, market size for the Nielsen ratings. St. Louis is above Pittsburgh, Indy, Baltimore, Nashville, Kansas City, um, so that narrative Cincinnati, don't fly, does it? Vegas, Jacksonville. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Did you mentioned Buffalo. Buffalo's all the way. I had to scroll further, yeah. Dan, because Buffalo's number 52. And Denver has, they're ranked number 17. They're right below Miami and uh, two ahead of Cleveland. So uh, Denver does have it going. And like you said, Michelle, that is a burgeoning market. I don't know about you guys. I, I'm still... Uh, not sold on the idea that the NFL owners will not present uh, if this lawsuit goes to plan from our perspective the idea of expansion and I know people say no chance no way and I realize there's a million different things that have to happen but this is the first time I've really felt that if they're faced with this and now it becomes now it's, it's starting to get to reality here and there's a report yesterday that Stan and his group had offered a hundred million, and the St. Louis group said uh, thanks, but no thanks, yeah. very quickly. I mean, if you're talking into the major billions here, and these owners, all of them are on the hook, I, I just think that they start looking at other avenues to, instead of writing checks. And I know, Randy, you're you're connected with people that may know more than we do. Clearly, we're not in those rooms of all these owners, but I just think the narrative changes very quickly because the proverbial you-know-what is hitting the fan. Well, I, I absolutely could see the NFL presenting an offer. But, Dan, you remember in the late 80s and early 90s, all the buzz about getting a team, a franchise to replace the Cardinals. I'm, Pacific Progress had press conferences. We're going out I to remember. get a team. They backed a county initiative. 80% of the people in the county voted for funding for the Dome. Uh, the, the mayor, the Dick Gephardt, yeah. uh, mayor at the time was Freeman Bosley, Buzz Westfall. There was tons of buzz about getting a team. I'm not hearing any buzz at all about getting a team. When I asked Tashara Jones last week, we were at a, a golf event together for the PGA Tour bringing in the uh, President's Cup. And I asked her about the possibility. And she said, well, it'd start with the owners. And, and you I'm know, not the, building the, stadiums. Their, their owners are under a lot of scrutiny right now. And I said, what about a state? I didn't even get the word out. Well, what about a state? I'm not building any stadiums. We and know that St. That. Louis isn't building any stadiums. Understand that. Yeah. that ain't going to happen, but there could be something presented that would make it enticing, and if I'm the if I'm the mayor, if I'm in government, uh, county, city, the governor, I'm at least exploring this and saying, hey, does somebody want to take my call? Because business, and I don't look at it as a sports franchise coming to St. Louis, even though that's what it would be. I'm looking at it as a business. Business. And if this is a business, just take sports out of it. If it's a business coming here and can invest in our community, 
How I'm not doing my due diligence if I don't kick the tires on this and thing. We're in sports talk radio. It'd be good for us. Yeah. My point is, is that I just don't sense any buzz among I understand the, that. the leadership of St. Louis. And that could change if all of a sudden there is an offer made for all of the things that St. Louis would need. And the things St. Louis would need, team with the owner selected by St. Louis, stadium, practice facility, long-term, long-term lease, and a guarantee that if any little detail was glossed over in the contract Mm -hmm. to get from point A to point Z, that we would revert to what the initial award was for St. Louis. But you could get there if these owners don't want to be putting out four to five hundred million dollars out of their own pocket, potentially. Absolutely. Anything, you know, anything's any, I never thought that this lawsuit would get to this point. I just thought they were just trying to be a thorn and stand side. And now look were. at it. <laughs> and now look at it. I never thought it'd get to this. It's pretty awesome. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. Coming up, we're going to head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Greg Amzinger, MLB Network. Going to talk some ball with us on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We're efforting Greg Amzinger, MLB Network. He had an interesting debate the other night with Harold Reynolds at the end of their awards finalists show. And Harold Reynolds is of the belief, and I share this belief that Greg doesn't share, Mm. that... The name of the MVP award should be changed to the Player of the Year award. And this started for me back in 1987 when Jack Clark finished uh, third in the NL MVP. Cardinals won the division. The Hawk. Ozzie Smith finished second. And Andre Dawson on the last place Cubs finished first. The Hawk. This year, the three in the National League, the three in the American League, every single MVP finalist didn't provide enough value for their team to get to the playoffs. So I think if you are not valuable enough to get your team to the playoffs, they should call it the Player of the Year Award or the Most Outstanding Player Award. Most Outstanding Player would be mine. Because there just isn't real value if you aren't doing it for a playoff team. But it is a team sport, and you could have an unbelievable individual performance and not have the pitching to get you to where you need to go. That's exactly right. And that's why, yeah, Player of the Year is great. Bryce Harper. Yeah. Yeah. Good example. Soto. Good yeah. examples. Yeah. The for no, Tatis. The guys that are yeah, nominated. Yeah. All the guys nominated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And my point is with this, in terms of a value, uh, let's look at the Nationals who finished in last place. Would they have still finished in last place without Juan Soto, who I would give my vote to, by the way? I think he was the best player in the National League, but he clearly wasn't valuable enough to give them more than 65 wins. Yeah, but... Are you getting out of a coffin? Yeah, what is that? That was so distracting. Sorry. I was wondering what that was. That's my microphone. Whether it's the beeping or the stand today, we've had a lot of of noises here in studio. But it it all depends on how you determine the word value. Because if that player is playing at an unbelievable rate and they're they're obviously providing value to their team, even if the team is having a losing season, it doesn't really... Whether it's the most outstanding player or the most valuable player, it's still the same thought process. I just don't think that you can have tremendous value for a last place team because you're going to finish last either way. So it doesn't matter how valuable you are. If you you aren't, let me put it this way, you aren't that valuable if your team only wins 65 games. But But you, you can be great. 
but you can't be really valuable to a winning team. But you could have a lesser performance that contributes to a winning team and helps improve your position in the standings. If you're using the term valuable, is more applicable. Like Kirk Gibson winning in 1988. My thought is that that would be the... uh, If I had two players that were even and the player helped me get into postseason or... um, you know, had a way better record than the other two. 20 games difference, something like that. Then I think I go with that player. But if I'm looking at the most, if I called it the most outstanding player, um, I think I'd have to say that it doesn't matter regardless of where his team finishes in the standings. That's uh, He's the most outstanding player in the league. And there's no doubt. If you look at the numbers this year, Juan Soto was Juan awesome. Soto was the most outstanding player in the National League. I, Harper, to me, though, I, I, and I've looked at the numbers, I, I just, maybe because I'm a, a big fan of Bryce Harper, so I'm biased, but, and I think maybe I feel this way because he was so good Really all year, but then in that final stretch, I mean, his second half was awesome, and it almost propelled them um, to postseason play. So that's why maybe I was looking more at Harper than what Juan Soto was doing. So, I I mean, I knew what he was doing down the stretch because I was watching and and looking at every single game, every night I do, Mm -hmm. and see what guys are doing. So I, I did see the numbers, but I was paying in particular attention to Harper because they almost beat out the Braves to get into... The postseason. I mean, that that team almost got in ahead of Atlanta. The war, Dan. War. War. Okay, well, let me present this to you then. Okay, let's look at somebody like Tyler O'Neill, who had a good season. He won a gold glove. He was named the National League Player of the Week. He was a contributor to help the Cardinals win a record amount of games and get into the playoffs. Does he hold more value to you than Juan Soto does because he was on a winning team? Yes. Because he's on a playoff team? Yes. You think he's more deserving of the the MVP award for the entire season than Juan Soto? If the Cardinals don't have Tyler O'Neill's season, do they make the playoffs? No. True. But so that's why that's my definition of value. How, is but he, he can't control everyone around him. And that's why it shouldn't be called the MVP award. That's why it should be called the most outstanding player award. So then we should just get rid of the MVP, MVP period. Yep, change the name. Unless you want to have both and have one where you actually do pick the player that's most valuable to his team. And hey, the... the the Nationals are going to win 65 games with or without Juan Soto. And but, I win 45. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Maybe 50. So he yeah. does provide value. <laughs> exactly. That's <laughs> he the does value. Provide value. <laughs> I would suggest that in terms of team success, Paul Goldschmidt was much more valuable in terms of team success to his team than Juan Soto was to his. Or Bryce Harper was to his, for that matter. But Harper almost single-handedly got you into the playoffs. Doesn't that count for something? Counts for something, yeah. Second, third place vote. All right. So when you look at Cy Young then, and you want to start calling it most outstanding pitcher? No, because the Cy Young is the most outstanding pitcher. And then what would be your criteria for the Cy Young? Are you going? Are you old school with some wins? Do you put value on that? Or are you, you know, going? Are you going all innings and tell, strikeouts? Tell me what you think of this, because whenever I talk to players, pitchers. They value wins. All of them do. Yeah, they do. So if they're going to oh, value uh, there wins. There isn't one guy I've met, no. not one, in doing this almost 25 years that said, boy, I didn't care about getting a win, but I'll tell you what, I, I gave you 180 innings. Yeah, right, right. right. So that's why I <laughs> do put some, val- some, of course some it emphasis on wins, because they do. Well, and the way the game is being played, I mean, in the playoffs now, 
starters aren't even going five innings. Mm-hmm. So if you want to put a value on that, giving you five innings in today's day and age is valuable. No. So yes, that means is. you register yep. for a win. Yes. Do, do I put innings pitched, earned run average, strikeouts to walks all ahead of wins? Yes. But if there's a tiebreaker, wins are a tiebreaker for me. Like, for example, the other uh, two years ago, three years ago, there was no doubt that Jacob deGrom was the best pitcher in the National League, right? Mm-hmm. But he only won 11 games. And somebody else won 18. But he was the best. And I would have voted for deGrom. That's another situation where he was the most... He couldn't have been the most valuable because the team never scored for him. Yeah, if you don't have that run support, does it, it's not his fault. He was the most outstanding pitcher in the league. But I do still put more value on wins than the numbers people do. So let's think about Adam Wainwright this year when he mm-hmm. gets through five or six and he's sniffing out a win and where most teams would not allow a pitcher to go a third time through a lineup because the analytics bear that out. The numbers are there. Third time through a lineup is... Uh, kryptonite so you don't want to do that but yet with this guy he's a different animal and he gets to that point where he sniffs it man he can sense that he's going to get that win you're telling me that's not valuable and now if you had him in game one of a series or you're coming off a, a terrible start by your starter the day before and your bullpen is taxed that there's not a value to that of course there is now people say well that's just innings i understand that but there's also when you have a lead of two to one in the seventh inning it's tough to get that win. Yeah. It's just, right. it's it's a different, you're not up 8 nothing. You're up 2-1, to one, and there's a difference with that. Also, if you're talking value, and specifically to Adam Wainwright, this is something that would not be taken into account. But think about some of the of the moments that he stepped up and provided a win for the Cardinals mm-hmm. when they really needed it in the season. I think it was 10 or 11 games that he got a win after a loss. That's right. But that's stuff that's not going to be taken into no. account because then it's the most outstanding player on a winning team in big moments when their team needed them award. Right. And people are going to be driving down the road right now saying, well, here's why wins don't matter. It's they're, they're all based on run support. I would argue that if you give your team an opportunity to win 20 games, if you get through five innings and give your team a chance to win 20 times, and they do, that's valuable. That, of course that means you're pitching well. By definition, if you're getting wins, you're pitching well. And if you if Adam Wainwright was sitting here, he would say, in a 2-1 game, when I'm in the 6th or the 7th, it's a different animal than just going 5 and fly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just is. I mean, the 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 you're watching at home or, you know, you're sitting at the ballpark and you're like, man, this game is getting tense. Well, don't think that for a second the players don't feel that. And the pitcher who's running on fumes feels that. So to me, there is a value to that guy getting the win. Yep. We're all on the same I don't page. understand why people can't understand that. That's Dan. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, we've got to take it or leave it. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Tioli coming your way. We've got a fun one on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Dan, Randy, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Uh, Michelle and Dan, you know that uh, our friend Anna Montana has been taking a lot of heat. Anna Montana. Anna, A-N-A, for uh, for being a 33-year-old dating the 19-year-old Lamella Ball. Oh, that's Wait right. I couldn't keep up with who Anna Montana was. Yeah. How, how, how old is she, Michelle? She's, Anna? She's 33. 33. Prime of life. Prime of life. You're She's looking at me, Dan, like I know. Well, you're all over so, this stuff. So people, well, actually, he is. So wait he a minute. Is. LaMelo is 19. 19. LaMelo is the, the second overall pick, right? Correct. 
And folks okay. have been critical. Some critical people that just aren't open-minded have been critical of Anna at the age of 33 dating the 19-year-old. I think you give her credit. Well, now... She is responding, saying, hey, it's not a big deal. Kim K at 41 is dating 27-year-old Pete Davidson. That seems to be adorbs. But when I'm dating 19-year-old LaMelo, it's not. Take it or leave it. Every 14-year-old gap between a woman and a man is the same, i.e., Kim's 41 and 27 with Pete Davidson is just the same as Anna Montana's with 19-year-old LaMelo. I'm going to leave that. I think in... I think there's a massive difference in a 19-year-old and a 27-year-old. By the time you're 27, you should be an adult. When you're 19 years old, you are a fresh baby adult. You, When I was 19, yes, I was legally an adult. I was mentally not an adult. But by 27, you should be handling your business. So I think there's a big difference between 19 and 27. Well, But love is love. I'm not judging. Love is love. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you do you. You do you. Um, exactly, Dan. I'm going to leave it, but I, I think, and I'm shocked at you guys for really missing the big point on this whole thing. What is it? What's my line? Follow the money. Kim K. Worth? Billions. Okay. LaMelo? Rich. Yeah, but not billions. So, I mean, if you're, you know, if uh, Anna Montana is going for LaMelo, now he's got the earnings potential is there. Obviously, he, he's got a chance to make a lot of money. True. But Kim K's got a lot of money and Kim K's got a lot of family that makes money. So you're going to you're going to get into a family that's got billions. But Anna is an IG superstar model. Oh, well. She's 33. Eh, I'm, I'm, follow the money, dog. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Also, Pete Davidson. It seems like any... I don't get it. ...popular and attractive Hollywood starlet, they've all dated they love Pete him. Davidson. They do. <laughs> they absolutely love him. He must be just adorable at dinner. Oh, no question. I mean, you go out yeah. with him, Randall, and you, you're going to have a good time. Yeah. You're good gonna personality. Find, yeah, you're going you're gonna to chuckle a little bit. You're going to laugh, probably cry a little bit, too. You're going to see a softer side of the of the guy. And, um, yeah, I, 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 he's got game. Say Clearly. this with Clearly. all due respect to Pete, because he does have game. But I think he's the least funny Saturday Night Live cast member ever. In history. History. Really? Ever. Wow. I'd have to think about that one. I just don't think he's funny. That's me. All right. Well, you know what? You can name him, and I'm sure there's a lot of Saturday Night Live cast members that were this so true. that were far less impactful that you can't even remember their names. Yep. Never dated uh, the the singer that. Uh, 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 but Ariana, they, Ariana Grande, Grande, wasn't he dating her? Yes, they they were together. Yeah, Ariana, they she was on a show that my kids used to watch. On like Nickelodeon or yeah, something. Really? Yeah, she, she, uh, she That's was how on, I was introduced to her. Yeah, she was on Jimmy Fallon last week and said that she actually called the Nickelodeon people when she was four. She called Universal Studios when she was four and asked to be on one of their shows. Well, and I just said, sure, why not? I think she had to wait a couple years. Oh, okay. Can I do a quick take yes, it or leave please, it? Dan. Okay, Pete Davidson or Brad Thompson, take it or leave it. Thompson burns more in the sun than Pete? I'll take that, yes. Okay. You know what? I'm going to leave that because Brad played baseball for a long time and was in the sun. And so his okay. skin is conditioned to the rays, whereas Pete looks like he does not spend a lot of time outside. So I would imagine he would burn at a higher clip than BT. Okay. All right. 
Okay. Thank you. Good. Okay. So uh, we talked about this, David Perron, um, getting into the top 10 in games played for the St. Louis Blues. He's at He was at that time at 617. Take it or leave it. He gets into the top five by the end of his career. Alex Petrangelo sitting at number five with 758. Take it. And where's David at? He was at 617. He's at 617 or 618. So that's 50. Yeah. I think I'm 618 now. I, I think he gets in the top five because I think he'll re-sign with the Blue. I do too. Yeah. All right. Some of your text, 65780. Emily, what do you got? From the 314, take it or leave it. The Dolphins will win tonight by three points. Leave it. This you think a, it's more than three? This is a Ravens victory. You think it's more than three for the Dolphins? I wish it was. <laughs> I wish it was. But they can't stop Lamar. What if they have an awesome game, Randy, and you didn't support our Dolphins? Oh, we'll be epically happy tomorrow. No. you uh, Can you celebrate the next morning if you didn't believe in them the night no, before? I, I always rooted for the Rams but thought that they were going to lose. I'm rooting for the Dolphins, but I think they're going to lose. Yes, I can be happy, but I can also be realistic. You were rooting for the Rams to win during 15 and 65. I just prayed for it to be over with. <laughs> I just said we showed up to work and well, I was just like, can these three hours, see, just, this is just going to be bad any way you slice it. I feel like now looking back, I had Stockholm syndrome. I started to sympathize with them and you I was did. forced to be there. You did. I think you did. 618 says Sam and Cat, and I believe that is the program on Nickelodeon. Sam and Cat? Yeah. Wait, Cats Sam and Cat or Sam Salmon Cat? Sam and Cat. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. What did what K-A-T. do you think I said? Salmon? Like salmon, like the oh, fish. Okay. No, salmon Sam, cat. Like Sam Malone of Cheers and, okay. and the Cat of Valley Sports Midwest. <laughs> Got it. Gotcha. The cat. I like that one. Good. Okay. From the three one four, take it or leave it. The Cardinals would have won more games this season with Juan Soto over Tyler O'Neill. Oh yeah, I'll take that. Absolutely. But Tyler O'Neill more valuable. Because, yeah, he was on a team that allowed him to be valuable. Um, yeah, if you can give me Juan Soto, uh, I don't care who's in my lineup. I'll take Juan Soto. I will too. Even though Tyler O'Neill had a great year. Yep. He really did. He had a hell of a year. All right. Thank you for your text, everyone. Yeah. And that does it for Tioli. And coming up next, it's a fresh take, Randall. Yeah. Are you on board with the Cardinals being on board with Paul DeYoung as their shortstop? What do you think of that? We want your text, 65780. Victorious was on, too. That's oh, a, okay, the 870. Cool. That's, that was on Nickelodeon. I haven't watched Nickelodeon since the Snick days. I haven't either for a long time, and mm-hmm. it's been nice. Are you afraid of the dark? Remember those days? Yeah, I. we had those. We, there was a lot of uh, Caillou. Rugrats? Rugrats was Doug. there. Oh, yep. yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of good stuff. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Interesting comments from Cardinal Pobo John Mozalak yesterday. Katie Wu writes at The Athletic that Mo said a lot of people beat up on Paul DeYoung's season, and I'm not sure that's fair. He injured his ribs, and that's not an easy thing to come back from. No, he never got on track, but he is a capable player, and when going well, he can be a dynamic player. Two years ago, he's a middle-of-the-order hitter for us. I think we need to have some level of patience, but it is our responsibility to understand what it all looks like, and it being the free agent market. He said, I want to be careful that we don't do something where Gorman doesn't have a true opportunity, but there are ways to free up other ways to create opportunities, too. I don't think you can simply look at it in a vacuum. What that tells me in reading 
and you don't have to read too far between the lines, is that the Cardinals are not going to participate in the free agent shortstop pool that's available this offseason. Do you read anything else into that? The way that I translate that, and it could be incorrect, is we can't move on from Paul DeYoung. And so we're going to plant the seed that there were a lot of other factors at play that contributed to his poor performance for the past two seasons. And I understand what he's saying. You know, in 2020, which is a year that a lot of people throw out, he had lingering effects from COVID. He did fracture his ribs, but so did Harrison Bader. And he came back and had a strong performance after that. I know every player and every injury is different, but it just seems like giving Paul DeYoung a pass for some things that other players were able to overcome. And we should add here that Michael Gerst told Katie, we feel good about the internal options at shortstop. Edmundo Sosa stepped up in a way that last year he proved to, to be a legitimate big leaguer at minimum, a utility guy, but he can be a starter and get legitimate playing time and succeed. Gersh went on to say, we feel good that we have the internal options in the middle infield. Tells you all you need to know. If you've been dreaming about a middle infielder for the Cardinals in free agency, that middle infielder's not coming. Well, I, I think if the Cardinals are going to add a bat, it needs to be left-handed. So if you said that Corey Seager was part of this equation and you're going to bring him in, that's a different story for me than some of the others, no pun intended, like Trevor Story and others. Um, and maybe some of these guys, as we talked about in the first segment, fall through the cracks and you get a one-year deal. Uh, that certainly can happen. Nolan Gorman coming up and maybe making the club out of spring. Does Tommy Edmond then truly become, you know, and Ali Marmol was on our show uh, a couple weeks ago talk and even mentioned specifically how the Giants handled their lineup so do you have uh, Tommy being one of those interchangeable parts that can also play shortstop me personally I I really don't want to mess with Tommy Edmond, mm-hmm. but I understand that uh, if you can get a power impact bat like Nolan Gorman, that's the way the game is played today. You do that. Where does Tommy go? I don't know. Or is Gorman your DH? Um, I still go back to if I have funds to spend, I'm going pitching. I mean, you had six finalists for the gold glove. You won five. And why did this team win? Now, they did start to hit, but a major part of it was they threw strikes, found guys coming out of the bullpen in the rotation that threw strikes, and they were in just about every game because of that. So... I just want to try to maybe decipher this a different way. We're looking at it as a one-two punch of Paul DeYoung and Edmundo Sosa. Could it be Edmundo Sosa and then Paul DeYoung as the one-two? Because I still wonder if the Cardinals have a little bit of residue from, we want to make sure that we know what we have in our young guys, and we want to make sure that they're giving getting put in the opportunities to succeed. And Edmundo Sosa did show you some pretty exciting things when he was given time. So I wonder if that plays into the Cardinals equation at all of we want to make sure that we're thoroughly evaluating Edmundo Sosa and knowing exactly what we have in him. I definitely think he's a major league player. Now, are we going to find out that can he be an everyday major league player? Maybe to your point, I think it was 326 at bats that he had last year. That was it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the, the league will make adjustments on him and it's incumbent on him then to make the adjustment back hard, not to like what you saw out of him. Um, and if you're going to be a team that's based on defense, he's a really good defensive player. Paul DeYoung is a solid defensive major league shortstop. So, Am I better off saying, okay, I'm saving as many runs as I'm bringing in by bringing in a bat, which is what you had with Ozzy a lot of years? Maybe so. I mean, you become an elite. You already are elite. I think you're the best defensive club in the game, but you keep those two guys there. I mean, Trevor Story, like if you went Trevor Story and if they brought him in, that's fine. 
but he is not to the defensive level that these other guys played at last year. The metrics bear that out. Um, other guys, though, would. But if you're going to address the offense and the DH is in play, that means Nolan Gorman is in play, probably. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at, like, if, I, if I'm saying, if I'm the Cardinals and I'm saying, okay, I'm dedicating a good chunk of money to offense, I, I'm looking at Schwarber. I'm, I, I got to yeah. get a left-handed bat. I got to get a left-handed yep. bat somewhere in my lineup. Some text 65780 from the 314. Why won't Mo just say we paid this guy a lot of money so we will see it through? And... Mike Matheny, when he was the manager, did admit. He said, yeah, the contract absolutely plays. And they do owe him. Every manager would say that. Yep, $6 mm-hmm. million next year, $9 million the year after that. And yes, the contract is going to play for DeYoung. There's no doubt about it. Somebody else suggests that you don't want to reduce DeYoung's trade value by saying he didn't play great. Well, everybody can see that he's had two really bad years. Yeah, they have the numbers. Yeah. Well, it's $15 million owed, as you mentioned, for the next two years, guaranteed. Um, I wonder what the market would be for Paul DeYoung. You know, if you're the Oakland A's, a team that would take on a guaranteed contract at a premium spot in your lineup and position, which $15 million over two years is not a lot of money in today's day and age of baseball for a guy that plays typically 145 to 150 games at short and could be a middle-of-the-lineup bat. Change of scenery, maybe they see something with him. Uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates. I mean, just look at some of the teams that don't if, want to spend if, big money. There, there's probably some market yeah, there. If Houston's not keeping Correa, if they don't land one of the guys, could you imagine DeYoung having the year he had two years ago, but with the Crawford boxes? Oh, yeah. I mean, he could be a 40-home run guy. Yeah, absolutely. And I've always felt that the Crawford boxes, it was a... a a stadium and a, a alignment of their wall that actually was better for a left-handed bat if you learned how to hit it the other way. Yeah, right. You yeah. know, if you, if you learned how to hit for power, like Jimmy Edmonds, I think, would have hit 50-plus home runs there, as well as he hit the ball the other way, let the ball get deep, take it the other way with power, elevate it. Um, but it, it's... I mean, it's pretty simple. You get the ball in the air in left field, you got a pretty good chance to get it out. I want you, you guys know how I feel about this text, so I want you to react to this from the 573. If we get Max Scherzer, I'm okay without a new shortstop. I think everybody would feel okay about that. I think, I don't know anybody that wouldn't take that deal. I'm assuming that the Cardinals are at least checking out the market for Scherzer, you know, and just saying, okay, what what does he want? What's he thinking? And they, they all can figure out AAV. That's, it's just, they all know basically. Basically, how it works, and there's formula, and what means to you and them, and vice versa, and all that good stuff. But I got to kick the tires on it. Yeah, I do too. And yeah. just say, hey, you know, you want to come home? You want to do this? And I don't know if coming back to St. Louis means. I mean, I've talked to some people. I don't know if it really means all that much to him anymore. Even though he grew up as a major Cardinal fan, it's more about chance to win and and who's going to pay him and all that kind of stuff. And if he got here in that rotation, I still think if it's not Max Scherzer, you, you definitely need to get a guy that is a strike thrower and preferably a, a high ground ball percentage guy. And there is one glaring guy. Is Marcus Roman. Yep. He's, yep. he's the one that stands out among the group of free agent pitchers. Led the league in innings pitch this year. He's not the biggest guy, but you talk about a guy that his pitching repertoire is perfect for yeah. what the Cardinals have. He'd be great. I'd also look at a fly ball pitcher as big as the ballpark yep. plays in St. Louis. I'd have no problem with that too. But because of my defense, road, home, doesn't matter. If I get a ground ball guy, 
He's going to win some games. Mm-hmm. I want to give you one more text here from the uh, 765. Fans will be in an uproar if Mo doesn't sign a big name bat. We're sick of his, oh, we like what we have and we made the playoffs. We have to take the next step to be an actual contender. Interesting look at that because Cincinnati is going to take a step back this year. Uh, Avi Sale Garcia, who was, I believe, led their team in home runs and runs batted in with Milwaukee, uh, was not tendered or didn't uh, get the, yeah, the qualifying offer. So what's he looking at? You would have to think they're taking a step back. The Pirates seem to be in a constant rebuild. And the Cubs, depending on what they do this offseason, you would have to think the Cardinals are the clear-cut front runner, even currently constructed right now going into next season because other teams are taking a step back. Yep. Go ahead, Michelle. I was going to say, I don't even know if it's necessarily a bat that would cause the fans to be in an uproar. I just think it's the sense of we're going for it, whether that's acquiring a big-name pitcher or a couple pitchers that you really feel good about, or maybe it's that left-handed bat or a really strong DH. I don't think it's necessarily one component of this team. It's just a general sense of this is the window. We are being aggressive and going for it. If I'm the Cardinals, I sit here as a fan, and as much as I love Adam Wainwright and have faith in him, he is 40 years old. There is not a single Cardinal starting pitcher that I say, okay, I feel really good about that guy going out and making 30 starts for me. Not one. I have one, and I looked at it yesterday, and it's Dakota Hudson. I feel very good mm-hmm. about him having a full, healthy, complete season. I don't feel that way about Jordan Hicks, who's going to be asked to maybe be a starter. Same thing with Alex Reyes, because their workload was, it's just not high. I mean, it's just, it's been tough for them because of working out of the bullpen to build up innings. Wayno is going to be 41. As much as I love watching this guy pitch, now I've been saying this for three years. Me too. So I I need to catch myself and just say, he's figured something out physically, however he gets through it. it. He he finds a way. But can I count on it again at the age of 41? Not so sure. Miles Michaelis? Eh. I mean, I loved what I saw at the end. By the end, he was starting to throw the ball. Yeah. And Jack Flaherty coming off what he had last year. And I still think there's a residual effect from the shortened season Reed. of 2020 that has an effect on these guys last year and maybe even moving forward. So the one guy I look at coming off a of Tommy John, of all things, yeah. that I think is going to be okay because he's young and had it early and by all accounts looked great by the end of the year is Dakota Hudson. Or I would say Jake Woodford, maybe, if he makes your rotation. Um, Matthew Libertor, you know, whether he's split in time between Memphis and St. Louis. You know, I feel comfortable that hopefully, knock on wood, they stay healthy. But the one guy I would count on more than anybody is Dakota Hudson. So I that, really do. That, that would still be one out of five. <laughs> exactly. And that's Coming my off point. Tommy John still. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, exactly. and that's why I'm saying I, I just think they need to find a what they feel is a reliable frontline starter. Now, if it works out, we'll see. But going out and getting that guy. I think would calm a lot of fears. That's today's fresh take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, the voice of the blues on Fox Sports, or uh, Bally Sports. Man, I haven't said that in a long time. Bally Sports Midwest. John Kelly joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. The Blues back home to take on the National Predators tonight at Enterprise Center. You'll see the game on Bally Sports. You'll hear it here on 101 ESPN. And with the call on Bally Sports will be John Kelly, who joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. He joins us in the Blues booth every Thursday here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? 
Good. How are you guys today? Everything's great. We sure loved the performance of Jordan Bennington in Winnipeg the other night. Yeah, why wouldn't you, right? I mean, that was amazing. You know, you, you'd have to say it was one of his best performances as a Blue in the regular season, I would say. Uh, you know, the Blues, obviously, in the second and third periods were not really good. Um, weren't managing the puck well. Winnipeg's a really good offensive team. And, and the saves he made down the stretch to keep the Blues in the game. I mean, the score should have been really 5 or 6-1 to one at one point, And then it's 2-1, to one and the Blues tie the game, and they... They win in the shootout. So, yeah, it was it was fantastic to see. But quite honestly, uh, the Blues goaltending has been great all year. Um, I think their save percentage is in the top five right now. I haven't checked today's numbers um, because there were some games last night. But anytime you can be in the top five in save percentage, and, and obviously the Blues have only used the backup goalie twice, um, Huso got the shutout, and, and obviously um, Hofer played and played pretty well. So that's great. You know, you got to have good goaltending, Danny, just like you have to have good pitching in baseball, as we know, right? Oh, you got to have good defense. you got to have good glove men, okay? So Bennington's a <laughs> – right. I'm, I'm going on the gold glove theme here, J.K., so good nice. glove I man. I like it. All right, good, good. I like it. Oh, well, John, whether it's Pavel Buchnevich, Brandon Sod, a lot of these Blues newcomers have fit in right away, and it seems like Army did a really good job of acquiring personnel this offseason to bring to this team that fits their style well i agree michelle and and those guys are are good hockey players you can play them on the first line the second line whatever um they can score goals and they, they both can kill penalties speaking of sod and bushnevich and they're they're good strong guys on the wall and physical players so i've been impressed it seems like when the blues have needed a jolt um the guy they've sort of moved up and down the lineup right now is james neal and, you know, he's been really good. You know, I know he hasn't, you know, pitched in a lot offensively, but basically he's been in a fourth-line role. And obviously Saad and Buchnevich have, have, have pitched in as well. And Buchnevich probably played his best game as a blue the other night. Uh, you know, the move he made on the tying goal with Cairo was, was superb. So, yeah, I mean, I've liked the Blues' depth up front from day one. They have, to me, they have a really good mixture of, of, of skill and and size and, and checking ability, also a good mix of of veterans and and you know mid middle aged players, so to speak, if we can call it middle aged at twenty eight, and then some young kids that have come up and and, and played really well, like obviously Jordan Cairo. So. Yeah, I, I think their balance is really good up front. J.K., in our brief observation of Jake Neighbors, he showed a lot of ability. What do you think that he can become in the long term? Good question, Randy. I think it's probably too early to tell. Um, but, you know, the, the, the couple of things about him. First of all, I met him in Denver when we were on our first trip of the year. Really nice nice young man, very respectful, respectful person. And um, you, you got to like a kid like that who just gets it. And the players love him as well. You know, I, I think that the biggest thing I see is that he, he's not afraid to mix it up. He's got good size. He'll get bigger. I mean, he's only 19 years old and he's already close to 200 pounds, but he's a smart player. I really like smart hockey players. I think everybody does. You know, when, when the player is in front of him, he makes the play. He doesn't try to do something that he probably shouldn't do. So in the limited time that I've had a chance to see him play, that to me is is really the, the thing that stands out more. He's, he's a really smart hockey player. So I, I think there's no question he will become a top six forward. You know, whether he's a, he's a number one left wing or a number two left wing, I don't know. Um, but I think that for, for 
without a question, he will be a, a top player. You know, another young player that I'm, I'm curious, J.K., your thoughts on him is Perunovic, and I've been watching his numbers, and he's piling them up uh, in the minors. There was a cap situation, obviously, when the team was hit with COVID, and can you bring him up, and does he fit, and all that kind of good stuff. Do you think at some point we see him, though, that he, he pushes the envelope to the point that uh, he makes it to where they can't keep him down anymore? I think so, Dan. Uh, you know, again, I haven't seen, <clears throat> seen him play, obviously, in the minors this year. And, and he had a really good training camp and uh, obviously is a Hobie Baker winner in college, which is the Heisman Trophy, if you're not familiar with that. So, yeah, you're right. If he keeps piling up the points, the American Hockey League is a really good league. And it's it's one level below the National Hockey League, as we know. So, yeah, I don't think there's any question. And it's really unfortunate that because of the cap situation and the bonuses in his contract that, that would be triggered if, if he did get recalled, they just couldn't fit him under the cap, so they recalled Rosen instead. But, yeah, I, I think that any time a player puts up numbers like that in his first year in the American League, it, it's very impressive. It seems like everyone, John, had a big sigh of relief when they found out that Braden Chen seemingly is going to avoid long-term injured reserve. Now that he's back skating, it looks like he's going to be back with the club sooner rather than later. And that's dodging a big bullet because he is so valuable to this team. Obviously, yeah. You know, that's what, to me right now, the blue strength is. It's it's up the middle when you, when you start with O'Reilly and then you have Shen and and down the line. They're, they're just a really good hockey team. Barbashev has played a lot of the third-line center role and and obviously Sunquist is knocking on the door um, to coming back, and he can play center. So they're, they're a very deep team. And I think, you know, without Shen the other night in Winnipeg, and, and, and the Winnipeg Jets to me are maybe as good down the middle as any team in the NHL um, with Mark Shifley and now Dubois coming over from Columbus. Um, and Lowry, a center iceman, a really good checking center. He was on the wing the other night. That's how deep they are. So I think it really hurt the Blues the other night not to have Shen because then they lost that you know secondary matchup up the middle. So yeah, he's a valuable player. And as you said, that you know he got hurt against Chicago, left the game, came back, went on the road trip, played a bit, and then obviously came home and missed the last couple of games. So hopefully he can you know go tonight or or at the very least you know make the trip to Carolina on Saturday. But yeah, they they certainly are fortunate that it's not a long-term issue and jk when we talk about the depth of the center and the fact that the blues couldn't bring up perunovic they're going to have an interesting situation coming up when oscar sunquist returns right he's he's pretty close to coming back and from a salary cap standpoint and from a, a forward depth standpoint they're going to have some interesting decisions to make you are right, and i've sort of been tossing that around in my mind i don't know how doug armstrong gets him on the roster with the current setup because of the salary cap issue. I don't, I don't know exactly what his salary is. I think it's in the three range. So that's, uh, that's sort of a million-dollar question because he, he's too valuable a player to say, well, we can't get him in under the cap and, and we'll wait until somebody you know, gets traded or gets hurt or whatever. I mean, that's not the mentality you want to have. You know, Sunquist, when he's ready, he's too good a hockey player. He's like a Swiss Army knife. As we know, he can play anywhere, wing or center, third line, fourth line, you can move him up to the top line if you need to. So, yeah, I think that's probably, Randy, a better question for um, Doug Armstrong or assistant general manager Ryan Miller, who's sort of the cap guru. How they're going to maneuver this and get him on the roster is is a good question. I just don't have the answer right now. John, are you under the cap at uh, Bally Sports, or or is there something we need to do there? 
Oh, I have lots of cap room, Dan. Okay, just checking. Okay, <laughs> just checking. Wasn't sure yet. Yeah, You're, how about yourself? Oh, I'm well under the cap, for sure. Yeah, right. Absolutely, exactly. you know. <laughs> but I'm loving you guys on the air. It's awesome. I'm, I, I told you a couple weeks ago, when it's on national TV, I don't like it. You're you're the best. I'm a homer. Well, you're too kind, and you did a great job uh, in your your run with us. And uh, I don't know if we're going to see you anymore on the pregame, but uh, we loved having you, Danny Mac. Well, it was a lot you're of fun. A lot of fun. Believe me. All right, J.K. Thanks so much for the time. As always, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks for having me. See Bye, J.K. That is the voice of the blues on Bally I love Sports. J.K. He's great. John Kelly with us on 101 ESPN. I did a hockey show when John was the voice of the Avalanche. And we were co-hosts. Wow. How about that? Back in the mid ninety, early mid nineties. Yeah. yeah, I've known JK forever. Did you see JK doing a puck drop the other night? Uh, I did on the pregame yeah. show with yeah. Jamie and Bernie. Yep. Yeah, he he was really good at it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh JK. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, I went down that YouTube uh, rabbit hole the other day and listening to Dan Kelly highlights senior, and then dovetailed into John Kelly highlights and the inflection that you hear in John. As we, we grew up with Dan, I mean, it was it's just uncanny. It's awesome. It's great. It is. It's pretty cool. Michelle, Dan, Randy, 101 ESPN coming up. Dan's going to be rooting for our fighters. You bet I am. Looking for two in a row. <laughs> All right. Oh, good. This is a returning yeah. champ. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character. Let's fight here on 101 ESPN. Danny Mack and Michelle Smallman here with you. And let's welcome in Randy's competition. Dan, you weren't here yesterday, but Zachary took down Randy in the fight. It went to the tiebreaker round. Zachary was closest to the pin, so he is the reigning champion here on 101 ESPN. I love it. Good morning, Zachary. Good luck to you, and let's take down Randall for day two in a row. (laughs) Okay. All right. (laughs) He's ready. All right. Zach, are you ready? Yes, I am. Oh, I forgot. It's Zachary. He likes Zachary because he's feeling good. Okay. And it worked for him yesterday. My bad, Zachary. Zachary, let's uh, hear a little bit more emotion from you, okay? Let's do this against Randy. What do you say? Oh, yeah. I'm ready. Now you're talking. Here we go. (laughs) All right. Zachary, on this date in 1987, Roger Clemens won back-to-back American League Cy Young Awards. Who was the most recent pitcher to win back-to-back Cy Youngs in either league? Is it Jacob deGrom, Max Scherzer, or Clayton Kershaw? Um, I think it was, I want to say... Clayton Kershaw. Final answer, sir? Yes. Who is the all-time assist leader for Mizzou men's basketball? Anthony Peeler, Phil Pressey, or Melvin Booker? Can you read those names one more time? Sure. Anthony Peeler, Phil Pressey, or Melvin Booker? I'm going to go with... 
All right. <laughs> Question number three, Zachary. James Harden recorded his 61st career triple-double last night, the third most for active players. Who is the active player with the most career triple-doubles? Is it Nikola Jokic, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook? Russell Westbrook. And uh, number four, the Hank Aaron Award winners were announced on Monday. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. taking home the honors in the AL. Bryce Harper winning in the National League. Who is the only uh, currently rostered Cardinal to have won the Hank Aaron Award? Was it Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, or Yadier Molina? Uh, Yadier Molina. All right. Checking our score. Check, check, check. Oh, right. Randy's hovering inside the door today. Come on in. Come on in, Randall. It's like he was chomping at the bit. Really was. To, uh, <laughs> He's fired up. You no, know, I think it's champing at the bit. One time I said chomping at the bit, and someone said it's actually about a horse and it's champing. I've only heard chomping at the bit. Let me let me give this a quick Google, because All someone right. once told me it's champing, and I said, no, it's not. I asked Megamind over here. Well, yeah, one time I was at the Olive Garden. I do remember, sir, ordering a salad and had a nice uh, little salad dressing of uh, ranch on there. And when she came over, I said, I'm chomping at the bit. And she said, no champing. And I remember that was in 2011. Yeah, you probably remember something like that. Pretty good. Pretty good Randy there. Yes, so. Oh, wow. He yes oh, owed you. He really did. He yes He really you. did. Oh, wow. you're going to play it like that, huh? Oh. You remember my trip to Olive Garden. Okay. Okay, great. By the way, per, Problems with you right now. per Webster's, it is champ at the bit really? to show impatience or be restless. It comes from something said about horses. When they bite their bits repeatedly and restlessly, they champ. So it is, in fact, but champing. But if they bite it repeatedly, what are they doing? Champing. Chomping. Champing. We say chomp, but it's actually champ. But you do what you want. And speaking of champ, Zachary's our reigning champ on 101 ESPN. And Randy, you know that. Randy is not in a good mood when he just came back in here. Because he lost yesterday, I Dan. know, but it's just kind of funny to watch him. He's getting a little upset, I'm, I'm a little angry. Edgy. I'm mad. Heavy right. is the head that wears the crown, which is what Zachary is doing right now. Because oh, yeah. he oh, beat you yesterday. Randy, you remember yeah, saying good morning to him. Right Can we call you Zach or do you just go by Zachary? You can call me Zach. It's okay. Zach, you're cool. I like you. So good <laughs> luck today. You. Are you you're and, cool too. Are you interlucking him? No. Oh yeah. Good hit. Good hit. Good play. No. I like Zach. Zachary, uh, did anybody ask you what you do for a living? <laughs> we did not. That's my favorite question. What do you do for a living, Zachary? That allows you to listen to this fine program. <laughs> uh, I go to college right now. Actually, is that mm-hmm. right? What university or college are you going to? Uh, I'm getting my associates at uh, ECC and Union, and then I'm going to be going to either Mizzou or um, Lindenwood. Uh-huh. Go to Lindenwood. Yeah, go to Lindenwood. Go Lions. What do you want to study? What do you want to be when you uh, turn out into the professional hey, world? Real experience, real results. You got uh, that, Randall. Secondary, edu- secondary education, so uh-huh. I become a uh, coach. Yeah, what do you want to coach? Mainly football, but I like all sports in general. All right. Well, good luck to you. I got together yesterday. The uh, Lindenwood University President's Council got together, of which Dan's brother Kevin is a member. Got a chance to see Kevin McLaughlin and speak to John Porter, the president over at OLU, and had a good time. Always good to see my Lindenwood peeps. Very nice. Nice. All right, Randy. Ready. Enough with the pleasantries. Are you ready to fight? Uh, I'm ready, and I try to be pleasant. Okay. Question number one on this this date in 1987, Roger Clemens. 
Twins won back-to-back American League Cy Young Awards. Who was the most recent pitcher to win back-to-back Cy Youngs in either league? I am going to suggest that it was Jacob deGrom. Final answer? Should I say, yeah, I'll go find an answer. Who is the all? Don't don't read into it, Randy. It's just a simple question, okay. yes or no. Okay? <laughs> if if yeah. you feel confident enough to say, yeah, uh-huh. I'm just going to move on. I, I don't know if he did or not, but I'm going to say he did. I don't want to get yelled at by the texter saying, well, now you jumped on the mm-hmm. second question too fast. Randy was going to go down the yeah. history of it. We, so. don't want, we don't want justice for Randy text coming I don't through. need it. No. Well, we don't need it on a Thursday. Who is the all-time assist leader for Mizzou in men's basketball? All-time assist leader. I'm handed out some assists here. Yeah, Randy just mimed assisting a basketball. Okay, I have a thought in my mind, but I'm not sure. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to go with the old. Uh, you know what? I might change my mind here. Might no, I'll go with the lifeline. Anthony Peeler. No. Phil Pressy. Maybe. Melvin Booker. I think I Melvin Booker was pretty good and stuck around for a while. And I think he played as a freshman, too. Actually, did very well, allegedly, at Mizzou. Not just on the court. Uh, I think I'll go with Booker. My goodness. James Harden recorded his 61st career triple-double last night, mm-hmm. the third most for active players. Who is the active player with the most career triple-doubles? I believe that would be Russell Westbrook. The Hank Aaron Awards uh, were announced. I don't know if you heard that, Randy. Mm-hmm. It was on Monday, mm-hmm. and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. won it in the AL. In the National League, it was Bryce Harper. Harps. Who is the uh, only currently rostered Cardinal to have won the Hank Aaron Award? I will say that it was likely... Well, it could only be one of two guys, right? I'm going to go Goldie. Did Zachary continue on his winning path? Is he one step closer to the Hall of Fame? Emily, ring the bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Optical Expressions. Providing St. Louis with top quality eye care and eyewear since 1997. Win, 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 win. Go ahead. Just win, baby. Mm. Anything else, Randy, that you need to get out of your system? Um, maybe, perhaps. All I do is win, 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 no <laughs> Dan is rolling his eyes so hard. I I'm hope so. He may lose his sight. I, I hope that Zachary comes back. And Zachary. Don't stop you know, that's a lot from you who lost yesterday. Just no saying. kidding. Just saying. But Zachary, good job. You hey, beat as Randy Chris once. Long mentioned, whenever his team won a game at home, they would play. All I do is win. And they the did it once in two years. I was going to say, you didn't hear it very often. That song should have been banned from the Edward Jones Dome, for sure. Zachary, I'm sorry. Randy got you today. Three to one. So the most recent pitcher to win back-to-back Cy Youngs in either league is, in fact, Jacob deGrom, 2018 and 2019. And uh, it was Phil Pressy. Both got this wrong. Mm. Phil Pressy, all-time assist leader for Mizzou men's basketball. Russell Westbrook is the active player in the NBA with the most career triple-doubles with 186. And it was Paul Goldschmidt in 2013 that won the uh, Hank Aaron Award 2013 when he was with Arizona. Zachary, thanks so much for playing with us. We do appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You got it anytime. And you can play tomorrow. You've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Bunk? Terrible. <laughs> 
Hey, before we go to uh, a break, can uh-huh. I, uh, on a serious note, I want to uh, send out um, my well wishes, condolences to all of us in the Viani family that ever uh, was coached by Coach Don Heeb, who is legendary. I mean, legendary at the school. Uh, longtime athletic director. He was my coach. Um, very instrumental in my life. I loved him. He was just a wonderful man, and uh, he passed away. He left just a, a an incredible legacy on so many uh, young boys that turned into men. And um, he coached Trent Green, right? Oh yeah, he, he he coached both Greens. He coached so many kids that went on to play in college. Some went on to play in the NFL. As I mentioned, he was a longtime athletic director. And just he was just a great, great guy. I mean, I just loved him. I love him, and I'm gonna miss him. And uh, he passed away. So our thoughts and prayers to uh, the Don Heap family. So glad you were able to get that. Yeah, uh, get wonderful that man. Here. Just a wonderful man. Dan, Michelle, Randy, 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're gonna talk some blues hockey with our Blues insider from the Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford. Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Opinions do matter at 101 ESPN, where it's 9.05. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We value your opinion with the mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. It's the Rhino Shield mic drop. You can also send us a text on the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. This past season, Paul DeYoung, the Cardinal shortstop, hit 197 with an OPS of 674. His OPS the year before in the COVID season, 45 games, was even worse. 671 OPS, he hit 250. 322 on base and only a 349 slug. That was on the heels of his 30 homer season in 2019. The Cardinal Pobo, John Mozeliak, telling the media yesterday down in Carlsbad, California, that we've kind of been unfair in our criticism of Paul DeYoung. You are what your record says you are. And yes, we may have been unfair, but I don't think it's ridiculous to be critical of a 197 season with a 284 on base and a 390 slug. I don't, hey, you, you played your team and you determined that you were good to go and you did hit 197. That is my problem with that. If it was just 2020 that we were talking about, yes, that argument would stand up for me because it was an unprecedented season. He obviously was sick that year, and I can understand wanting to throw that out because of the the peculiar nature of the season. But even though he dealt with the rib injuries last year, they said he was okay. They're the ones that cleared him and brought him back. So if you think he's ready to go, then there should be no excuses or no asterisks applied to the numbers for the season because you're the ones that, the, that determine that he was okay the concern i have is it's been actually two and a half years Mm -hmm. now it's the second half of 19 2020 is an outlier for so many reasons um and he did contract covid um and it's it it zapped him i mean he talked about that being very tough to come back from and then last year uh getting the the rib injury and the issues that he had with that uh, was problematic not all guys are the same when they come back from injury. You, sure. you mentioned that earlier. And some guys push it. Some guys don't maybe tell you how much they're hurting. And we don't know. Only he knows how much that truly had an effect on him. I do know this, though. You've got $15 million guaranteed wrapped up mm-hmm. in him. And you've got a combination of maybe he and Sosa that could be uh, good for the Cardinals moving forward. 
Again, they've invested a lot of time and now a lot of money in him. And is it a situation where the Cardinals have to answer this, that they give him one more shot? Or is it Sosa's? Or is it up for grabs going into spring training? Or do you go out and get a guy? I still believe that if you're going to do something offensively, it's got to be with a left-handed bat. And I do think Nolan Gorman plays into this. If he comes up, he's at second base or DHing. Tommy Edmond can shift to short or third or the outfield if somebody's not playing up to par. Um, there's a lot of different directions. This does give them some flexibility going forward. And the only left-handed shortstop is Seager. And the Cardinals can offer a contract to him that's palatable to them within their budget constraints which they do have. They do have a budget that they have to deal with, but they are not under any circumstances going to offer more than the Yankees are, who apparently are hot on the heels of Seager. I would say Seager is 250 to 300. If the others are mm-hmm. making 300 mm-hmm. yeah, or more, he's 250 to three. Um, and then if you're the Cardinals, do you want to carry three guys then are making 30 plus million? Right. You know, you've got Arenado, then you'd have Goldie and you'd have Corey Seager. Yeah. It's a Let, lot. Let's get to some mic drops. We do appreciate you taking the time, your time, to join us. Let's hear from Tim on 101 ESPN. Hey, Randy, Michelle, and Dan. I hey. simply cannot fathom the idea of the Cardinals trying to sell themselves as a division winning or a uh, World Series winning team. And try to sell to the fan base that DeYoung would be your starting shortstop. I simply can't see it, can't understand it. Um, Not necessarily saying they have to upgrade at shortstop if they completely upgrade their pitching staff, but I I cannot even begin to imagine the Cardinals going in with DeYoung as a starter at shortstop and saying that they are trying to compete for a World Series. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the show. So then essentially he's saying then it's got to be Sosa, which I I haven't said this And I'm okay with that. I I would rather actually have Sosa playing opening day than DeYoung. Based on what we've seen over the course of the last 12 months, I'd rather have Sosa playing that game than DeYoung. Do you think Tim was indicating, though, with the free market, with the guys that are available out there on the market, that if they don't try to upgrade externally and sell it to their fan base, that they're going for it by addressing this position, he doesn't believe they're contenders? Or do you think it's simply DeYoung versus Sosa? No, I got the sense that it was outside. But you do have to make the choice, Dan. You mentioned the money that it would cost to bring a shortstop in. Because of the the budget that the Cardinals have, they're going to have to make a choice between going out and getting pitching or getting a bat. Unless it's uh, like they can get a $5 million bat. If they have $25 million that they can spend, that they have discretionary income for this offseason, you can't spend all 25 for one player because you need more than one player. So that's where I'm going with this is that I can live with this combination, but I look at this team and brought up the point earlier and Ali Marmol has referenced this uh, on our show with BK. Um, really well thought of show between 10 and 11 here on 101 ESPN. Mm-hmm. Spectacular. Thank you. Um, of being flexible with the lineup. And if you're going to do that, I've always said, I mean, you, you got to have the horses. You know, you can be a manager that is a great X's and O's and uh, a strategy guy, but if you don't have the horses, you can't play that style of baseball. Why, so they, why is limited. Gabe Kapler going to win that manager Because that's year, right? how he played like that. Yeah. And, and they had the guys that were interchangeable parts. So if you're going to, you know, bring these guys back, why not have it to where they are the interchangeable part mm-hmm. in short with matchups or... You want to get Nolan Gorman in and shift Tommy to short or take Tommy out, and maybe Sosa comes in at second base, Tommy comes out, depending righty-lefty. Those are the things that you can do. Um, 
And so I, I'm looking at a bench, and I'm I'm fascinated with Juan Yepes. I've been watching him in the Arizona Fall League. Mm-hmm. Just continues to put up numbers. He had a mammoth home run. I think it was yesterday. Uh, Lars Newbar has has played well. So are Nude. you? Nice. Love Nude. Uh, are you going to go with him? Or I would love to see them go out and spend a little money to what you were saying earlier. Spend some of that money on your bench yeah. and an experienced left-handed hitting outfielder. I think that would be beneficial to this club, too. We just earlier in the show did the exercise where we went through the Cardinals rotation and our confidence level in each person. And it's not very high. Dan, you said Dakota Hudson is the one person that you yep. feel conf- confident in. And this is someone coming off a serious injury in a rehab. And so I think when you go through the exercise of going through the starting rotation, and your confidence level there and then you look at the shortstop situation and you have to determine where you would like to utilize that money or those resources I think you can safely say that most people would say well, let's go with a, some pitching help no doubt I think that that is if you're going to have a poll probably more than 50% would say let's get some pitching let's hear from Janet friend of the station oh, on 101 ESPN I love Janet yeah. during our winning streak uh-huh the shard stop was fine. There was no problem. Played with well it. at shard. The big problem was the pitching. We need pitching. I would like them to get another shard stop, I guess, but I don't mind waiting and see what Sosa can do. We do know what DeYoung could do, mm-hmm. and unless he starts off really good this year, I don't like keeping him. But. Under, unfortunately, due to the bad contract, we're stuck with him for a while. He seems like a nice guy, but once again, he's not producing just like we had us go through with Carpenter. Nice people, but this not producing. Well, Jana, you're a nice person yourself. Sometimes when I'm driving down to the ballpark, either on uh, Highway Farty or Farty Far, and I'm thinking like, Who's going to be at Shark tonight? You know, and I yeah, and I'm right. like, do I go DeYoung or do I go Sosa? I'm just not sure. Sometimes I thought Janet nailed it. She reflected my feelings a hundred percent. So we appreciate that. Nice people, good guys. That's one thing the Cardinals do well. They bring in quality people. Let's get one more mic drop in from John, who joins us. So we're going to readily give out Randy Rosarena without ever giving him a chance but then say that Paul DeYoung deserves another chance. I just don't understand Ms. Alok's evaluation of players lately. It just, it just baffles me. Like, don't give Randy A a chance, but hey, by all means, like, let's give this guy more opportunities. I just don't get it. Well, I understand what he's saying. However, he's not taking in the money equation as a part of that. Sure. Randy Rosarino isn't going to make any right. money. Paul DeYoung makes $15 million right. guaranteed over the next two years. And the Cardinals... They have admitted they got burned by not giving a Rosarena enough sure. of an opportunity. And then don't you think that that plays into maybe giving Sosa a little bit more time? That's what I would think. <laughs> I, I just think it's that they, they value their farm system so much and promote from within. And I've told you guys this before. There's one year they had over 50% of their players in the minor leagues jump a level, which included some guys going to the big leagues. There's a value on that because they developed them. And in baseball terms, they're cheap. You're not paying a guy $10 million a year. So why not either see what they have here or build up that equity and trade it well, when you need to? If I'm not mistaken, of the Cardinals position players in 2021 on a playoff team, the, uh, Tyler O'Neill came from another organization, but essentially was developed 
by the Cardinals. So you had guys that were traded for at first and third base, and then Rondon had played for another organization. Everybody else came up through this system. That's the Cardinals' model. Well, look at the players they have given up. I mean, the yeah. Rosarena one is is tough. I mean, that, that just – until I w- see Matthew Libertor pitch at this level, Rays have won that deal right mm-hmm. now. We'll see how it plays out. But, I mean, to get Marcelo Zuna, the package that they gave up to get mm-hmm. – I mean – Oh, boy. Wouldn't you love a frontline starter, Sandy Alcantara? He'd be your number one heading into next year. He is awesome. Might have been the best I've seen this year. Scherzer had a great performance at the end of the year, and Alcantara went nine or eight-plus innings, complete game loss at Bush Stadium this year. I mean, he was awesome. That should be the one. Randy Rosarena. We don't talk about that one. Randy Rosarena is the name that we all throw out because we haven't seen Matthew Libertor yet, but Alcantara is the name that fans should be upset about. Now, at the time, though, it made sense. It did. You needed a bat. You needed an outfielder. And Ozuna was a good player here. Not great defensively, but he he hit. Spider-Man. Well, that was a, a, was a judgment call on where you go to catch and that fly the, ball. the guy had won a gold glove. <laughs> he was a gold glove winner and a silver slugger winner when they made that trade. Have you guys ever gone back? I'm sick, so I do these kind of things. I went back and looked, and I go, okay, Marcelo Zuna won a gold glove. Let me re- And this is now in a time and era that gold gloves are true gold gloves. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not when you're getting it because you're hitting 30 bombs. More times than not. You may get attention that takes you to somebody looking at your defense, but there's metrics now that'll tell you what kind of player you are defensively. Mm -hmm. And I went back and looked at some of his plays in Miami, and he's throwing guys out. He is moving all over the place. I mean, he's making plays Hmm. that we did not see here in St. Louis. And I, I still believe that when he got here, maybe the shoulder was... He had a bum shoulder. You know, there's issues with that. People kind of forget that. But you make those deals, you check out the medicals, and you bring players in. But he can flat out hit. I mean, he, yeah. he can hit. I mean, and so any he hit here. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people know that. Uh, Coming up, uh, it was going to be a, we had a great interview with Matt Carpenter on uh, the BK show with Danny Mack. Uh, you're killing me. I knew he was going to go there, too. When I said <laughs> it, I was like, I didn't. It's like me by surprise. And it's uh, not yeah, something to laugh about, so I'm not laughing about it. So the Matt Carpenter. Matt Carpenter uh, effusive yeah. in his praise of St. Louis. Killing these smalls. Segment yesterday with Danny Mack and BK. And we'll cross hear some over. of that next on 101. John ESPN. Kelly was on earlier. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> The now former Cardinal Matt Carpenter joined Danny Mac and BK yesterday here on 101 ESPN in the 10 o'clock hour and a great interview, a great guy who really made a commitment to this community, not only on the field, obviously, but off the field. Did a lot of great things for St. Louis. And now, after a decade of being with the Cardinals, Carpenter is moving away. And what's that like? You know, it's 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 strange um it's tough it's it's you know it's bittersweet um it's you know there's some challenges that come with it too like you know we've lived in the same house here for 10 years and now we're you know putting it on the market and selling it and you know there's a lot of memories a lot of great memories that we've had in this home both both 
personally, from a playing standpoint, you know, I can walk around that house and, and think about where I was in certain, you know, big moments. Um, you know, it brings back memories. And then from a family standpoint, you know, like I mentioned in, in the uh, letter in the, to the, to the fans and Cardinal nation is, you know, my, my kids were born here, you know, I've, I've raised a family here and um, it's more than just a, a, you know, a place that I played it, This was home. And, um, you know, it's certainly, certainly hard to leave, but, um, you know, I couldn't be more happy for the time that I had here and, and, and just the, the welcoming feeling that, um, you know, this city has embraced our family and it's just been a pleasure. I listened to this interview live yesterday when Dan and BK were talking to Matt Carpenter, and it is kind of a bittersweet feeling if you're Matt Carpenter looking back. It's always tough to leave a place that's been home for so long and a place where you've had a lot of success and a place that you've loved being. He mentioned his family was here, but anyone that read that letter that he wrote at the Players' Tribune to St. Louis really got a sense of the affinity that he has for the Cardinals and for St. Louis. So even though he is looking back and a lot of great things accomplished here in good times in St. Louis, it has to be weird to to not know what's next after you've had such consistency in your career and your life knowing that you're going to come back to the same place every year it's got to be weird to have all that up in the air and i asked him if he wants to continue to play he said he does he's going to give it a try and i'm sure there's going to be teams that would give him a flyer i mean 2018 was not that long ago um in which he was in the top 10 of the mvp now Clearly, he did not make the adjustment against the shift. The shift had a detriment to his career, which is something that if he can, well, let's just say in the CBA, the, the new one that they limit shifts, or he does something this offseason to better his career with that, um, then a team would take a flyer on him. And I could understand why a team would, because it, it has been there. We just haven't, you know, last couple of years were ugly at times, unfortunately for Matt. And uh, he had a big contract and, and you know, those things happen. But in terms of him being a great Cardinal, he was for the 10 plus years in St. Louis. I think my favorite memories of Carpenter are going to be the, the six home runs in four games in Chicago in 2018. In the year he hit 36 and he was just so hot. Had the three home run game there. He had the double header. And in the space of four, he hit six home runs, which was just so unexpected. Even though he was hot by then, and you mentioned it in the highlight, you and Tim McCarver were doing the game, something that no Cardinal had ever done before. Yeah, I was in, you know, doing the game, and he had two doubles, three home runs, and that's it just we came to my mind of even in the long history of these two teams at that ballpark at Wrigley, I can't imagine a player from the Cardinals that it didn't come to mind for me and you know how you guys, we all study the history of this team. I was like, this has got to be a historic day that no one has ever seen. And yeah. true to form, it wasn't. I yeah. mean, we've never seen a day like that at Wrigley Field. You know, my, my lasting memory of Carpenter, besides being a, a great citizen and from my seat and what I do, he was wonderful to deal with through the good times and the bad that he was having on the field is just the fact that he was flexible. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Third base, second base, first mm-hmm. base, um, the fact that you could bat him lead off. And then they told him, okay, become more of a power hitter. So he gets 55 doubles and breaks stay in the man's record. Hits 38 home runs. I mean, who would have thought 38 home runs, 55 double seasons right. from a guy that was really just kind of punching it the other way when he first got to the big leagues? What are Marp's favorite memories? Well, you know, there's so many. Um, you know, the the first one, uh, obviously that first weekend, um, 
on the field at Bush Stadium in uniform. I talked about it a little bit in the in the letter of just you know Albert hitting those two walk off home runs. I mean, literally. I mean, I, that's not an exaggeration. My first day in the big leagues, he hits a walk off home run. My second day in the big leagues, he hits a walk off home run. I mean, it was just incredible um, to be a part of that. Uh, so that just started me right on the right foot. And then in 2012. You know, some of the big moments, I, I, you know, getting to play in the postseason for the first time, coming off the bench um, and hitting that home run off Matt Cain when uh, Beltran was injured um, was pretty special. And then 13, and probably my favorite personal moment, um, you know, the last out in the 2013 NLCS, knowing that we had just won the National League and we're headed to the World Series. Those are all pretty high. Um, you know, the – the salsa run in 2018 that was a lot of fun you know just enjoying how much the fans really kind of i mean they drove that whole thing i mean more than anything um you know i i really it was such an innocent post of just like hey i had to make this salsa and i'm gonna eat it and then you know go out and have a great game and they really ran with it and it was a lot of fun um you know those are some of the ones that stick out um and then you know even this year winning 17 in a row being a part of that, um, I've never seen anything like it. I know you guys probably feel the same way. That's, that's pretty. It's pretty remarkable what we, what we were able to do. And um, I mean, I've, I've been on high school teams that were pretty good that couldn't win 17 in a row. Can I throw one more on that mm-hmm. pile? And those were all great memories from Matt Carpenter. I think a lot of people will always think about the Matt Carpenter, Clayton Kershaw moment from 2014. Two of them. Yes, that's right. Yeah, two of them. That's I was going to say that too. That's for me postseason wise. That's a. Uh, for just a, I mean, I remember the Kane home run, but the two matchups with Kershaw were the ones that uh, stood out for me, mm-hmm. for sure. He was remarkable for a long stretch. He was a really good player for a long stretch here in St. Louis. And it was I, great for you guys to have him on. I, I believe he's a Cardinal Hall of Famer. Um, and I know some people would disagree with that and say, you know, there were some bad years mixed in there. And, and that's true. Numbers don't lie. But... Um, Great stretch of baseball with winning. Went to he was a part of the eleven club, which people don't realize that he was still a remaining player from that team. He, he appeared briefly, made his major league debut, has a ring. They went to the World Series in thirteen. Um, but the thing is, if you look in Cardinals history, top five, top ten, top fifteen of most offensive categories, you're going to find Matt Carpenter. And I, I'll say it again: the flexibility of what he did in the lineup. To me, that that makes you a Cardinal Hall of Famer with a lot of the things that he was able to do, and the recency bias of the the last you know the, the last memories that you have of, of Carpenter right now are of a guy coming off the bench that got a big deal, didn't perform to expectations, and it was disappointing. Mm-hmm. It was frustrating at times. The shift would frustrate me up in the booth. I might just drop down a bunt, hit it the other, poke it the other way, do whatever. But the full body of work, if you if you're being honest with yourself, I do believe he should be eventually getting a red jacket and a Cardinal Hall of Famer. And he said yesterday, I asked him about it, and he said, "I'd be lying to you if I didn't think about it." It'd be awesome, yeah. It, it, because the more good people you can get into that Hall of Fame, and they have a ton of them already, the better it is. Well, think about this too: thirteenth round pick signed for a thousand bucks, a five year college player. I mean, that that is rare that that guy makes it to the big league. So it's a great story, too. Next up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. And it is time for... You're killing me, Smalls. Well, looking at the slate of games in week 10 of the NFL, Jacksonville Indy might not really pop out at you. 
noon kick, Lucas Oil Stadium. But there's an interesting storyline there because Carson Wentz says he's going to make that game no matter what. Nothing can stop him from making that game. And you're thinking, well, what can possibly keep Carson Wentz off the field? Well, his wife is pregnant and she's due at any moment. He said, I could get the call at any time. However, if it comes to the game or his child being born, Carson Wentz says, I'm playing. He and his wife had already had the discussion and he is going to be on the field no matter what is happening in his personal life. If I was talking to Carson, I would say, hey, Carson, um, (laughs) there's another game next week and the week after Mm -hmm. that. And by all counts, you're healthy. And um, that's going to be an event in your life that you probably want to be there for to see the birth of your children. The really interesting thing to me about But, I mean, if you get to, hey, if you you can beat Urban Meyer and, and the Jaguars, I mean, all bets are off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean... Why not? I, I'm intrigued by the the fact that he basically is risking not being able to play every single week by not being vaccinated. Basically, That's a game, yeah. he's the reason that Aaron Rodgers didn't get to play last week is because he wasn't vaccinated. If he would have been able to test negative twice in a row, he would have been able to play last week. And Michelle's sick of it, though. She doesn't want to hear about vaccinations no. anymore. Yeah, we're talking babies here, Randy. My yeah. point is this. He's willing to risk missing a game by not getting a vaccination that most people, more than 50% of the people have, and way more than 50% of the people in his own league and on his own team, yet for the birth of his own child, and if he's like Philip Rivers, he might have nine of those days. But it's a lot of kids. That is a lot. That yeah. is that's, a lot of kids. Yeah. But still, that's, he's, he's been busy. Yeah. Oof. Uh, I'm intrigued and interested that his wife is on board with this. Well, it's baby number two. Does that change your thought process at all? No. It doesn't for me either, but I wonder how baby number two would feel if he was at baby number one's birth. Oh, you can make it there, but not to mine. I understand. Yeah, people think differently. People have different opinions of this. And I remember the the big falling out between Mike Martz and Kevin Carter was that Kevin mispracticed to witness the birth of his child. And Mike Martz was infuriated and benched Kevin Carter. And they were never able to get back on the same page. And ultimately, Kevin Carter wound up getting traded. He got benched for that. He got benched, yeah, because wow. he mispracticed. And not even a game. We're talking practice. Yeah. For the birth of your child. We're talking practice. Yeah. One of the biggest regrets I have, oh, I got plenty of them too, um, is missing the birth of my twins. Missed the birth of my twins. So um, we had had numbers one and two, and three and four were on their way, but yet they came quite early. So we had even checked with the doctor. Like I had a basketball game. I think I I was doing an uh, ACC game. I was doing Virginia and somebody else. So I was on my way to Virginia. And uh, I had to make a stop in like Charlotte or something like that. And I got my phone and they're like, oh, yeah, your wife went into labor and just had twins. Oh, my gosh. And I got right back on a plane going back home. But nothing you can do about that. I mean, and I had even said to see now I'm going to try to really backtrack and make me sound like a good person here. But I had said to the doctor, am I I good going? You know, she's not going to she's not going to give birth. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're good. Good to go. No (laughs) problems. Yeah. Surprise. Yeah, there they were. They, de- they determined when they were coming. Then we'd be four deep. <laughs> That's right. Well, you, you would think, too, that Carson Wentz would be looking at the schedule and say, well, we're playing the two and six Jags. Exactly right. If I was ever going to miss a game, 
for the birth of my child, I think that the two and six Jags, even though they are coming off of a victory versus the Bills, would be as safe of a bet as you could possibly have. Well, I guess he's thinking I'm I'm just not playing all that well anymore, and I can't afford to miss any games. So I'm not taking that risk of getting Wally pipped. Maybe. Whatever. You're killing me, Smalls. Maybe. We haven't talked about this a lot on this show, but the the Mac Jones, Brian Burns video that has been making the rounds of Mac Jones grabbing and twisting his ankle Mm -hmm. during the Panthers-Patriots game last Mm. Sunday. When you saw that NFL Films angle, there was no questioning what Mac Jones was doing there. And Brian Burns says that he wants Mac Jones to apologize to him for that. He wants him to apologize for twisting his ankle. Mac Jones won't do it. Burns says it would be nice to have an apology, um, but it's not going to happen. I already addressed the situation. I'm just looking forward to playing in the next game with the guys we have on our team this week and moving forward. However the NFL handles it is on them. I would just like to play them again, and I wish all my fellow D-end brothers happy hunting. Let me tell you something, Randy. Yeah. Tape don't lie. No, it doesn't. Tape don't lie. So so if he's twisting ankles, tape don't lie. And I am totally on board with happy hunting for defensive linemen. I was just going to say, if you if you were a fellow D-end in the league and you saw that video of a quarterback doing that, and then you have Brian Burns putting out the call, happy hunting, mm-hmm. do you take offense to that if you're a D-end, even if you're on a different team? Is that some, are you a little bit extra motivated to go against somebody like Mac Jones? Oh, I am, yeah. He's yeah. a Patriots quarterback. Just they're they're going to try to take his head off anyway. Yeah. Exactly. So it didn't really matter. Do they need extra motivation? They're Probably trying to kill not. each other anyway. Probably not. But anytime yeah. you can get a little bit more bulletin board material, oh, yeah. it doesn't hurt. Yeah. Randy mm-hmm. does bulletin board material all the time. I try to. You you are distracted right now. What is going on with you? Is it Scooty Booty? Yeah. It's what, totally Scooty Booty. What, what is happening? <laughs> no, I'm not distracted. I think you're distracted. I'm just paying attention to the show here. Are you okay. looking up things on people.com? No, I have not. I don't have people.com. Is up. this Benefer related? No. So last night I uh, I text or I uh, sent an Instagram <laughs> photo of uh, J Lo with her two kids, to, and she was like <laughs> allegedly reading to them, uh, and I sent it to Michelle allegedly reading with to them. with the uh, the quote, "Hi, I'm Jennifer. Now, what are your names?" <laughs> her kids. Randall. You don't know their personal life, just like Scooty Booty. You don't know Scooty Booty. She could be uh, a wonderful uh, member of society. She's going to be a dental hygienist, I right? I don't have she any is questions, one, right? She is, yeah, that's Nobody right. has any questions. Nobody in their right mind has any questions about Scooty Booty, the girlfriend of Devin Bush of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You don't have any questions for Scooty? I don't have any questions of her. I think she's probably a fine, upstanding member of society. I don't All have right. any doubt. Well, she's a dental hygienist, right? I, I believe so, right, yeah. Randy? You know her story. Yeah, she is. She's a, an aspiring dental hygienist. Aspiring, yeah. IG model mm-hmm. and girlfriend of... She's a real slashy, Scoot. a modern-day slashy. What's that? You know, from Zoolander, where you have a bunch of different things on your resume. Like, Dan, you're a broadcaster slash dad slash... Uh, you have uh, so many things that you do. Okay. You know who you, the OG of slashies is? You're a slashy. What? OJ. Randy! You're killing me, Smalls. Let's talk vodka. So Arby's, <laughs> Arby's has come out with this vodka. And, you know, I really would love to be in some of these meetings where these companies say, you know what is missing out there? 
in the world is a French fry flavored vodka. So Arby's has come up with a vodka that tastes like their French fries. Mm. You can only sample it in certain uh, states, but they want it to taste like their curly fries. It was made in Minneapolis and it's distilled with cayenne, paprika, onion, and garlic. It's called crinkle fry vodka. And here are the states where you can get it. Let me scroll down here. Give me one second. Illinois, Missouri. Illinois, Missouri. Illinois, Missouri. California, Connecticut, Washington, D.C., Florida, Idaho, Louisiana, Minnesota, Nebraska, Nevada, Oregon, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Highly Unfortunately, not Missouri, not Illinois. But maybe maybe they think, you know, Missouri, Lion's Choice, you know. Well, that's shocking that I, uh, I deep fry my taters. I go and get a tater, and I got a thing that I got from Walmart. Uh, no, not Walmart, Randall. Okay, thank you, Dan. Yeah, yeah no, no, no. Some other place. There. And slices it nice Target? and thin. Yeah, Target. And you, you slice them nice and thin. You drop those in. And I'm telling you what, you have some good taters. Danny. Now, are we talking slices them like a, like a fry, or are no. we talking like a mandolin? What's a mandolin? Oh, like, a, like an American a, fry kind of thing, except thicker. Flat, right? Flat, yeah. yeah. Do you do okay. it super thin or thicker? Super thin. Okay, you get some crispies in there. Ooh, sounds like delish. Mm-hmm. Do you have? Now an I don't know if I'd want to drink that flavor though. No, no, no. Do you have an air fryer? No. Ask for one for Christmas. Game changer. Let me ask you this though: yeah. air fryers. So that's no oil. Correct. Okay, but it. Well, then it's not fried. It, it's unbelievable. It does fry. Yeah. BT turned me on to it. I got one for last year for Christmas, and it does act like a fryer. Now, is it a deep fryer where you can have... That's what I want. Yeah. No, you don't have a bunch of grease falling from the stuff. Well, then it doesn't count. Yeah, isn't that the whole point of fries? Exactly. If you're going to eat fries, don't you want the grease? Yeah. Not necessarily. Really? Air fryers are game changer. You you put tater tots, you put uh, fries in an air fryer, they're delicious. Do they get gre- they're not greasy, though. They are greasy, no. I mean, if you're going to do it, you might as well go for it. If you're going to have the fries and the, the tater tots. and I want my french fries to mark up the paper bag. Maybe some shrimp. You know what I mean? Okay. I, I want I there that. to be some grease coming through the bag. Now, one green. thing, one play I do make, I, I call this on Thanksgiving many years, I do have a uh, deep fryer for a turkey downstairs, and a deep fried turkey is delicious. How long does that take to do that? 20 minutes. Yeah. Wow, Once really? I thought it's yeah. really, don't blow yourself up, though. No, be don't careful. put a frozen turkey in the air fryer. Yeah, you got to be careful. Look at that, those on YouTube. You look at uh, frozen turkey air fryer in the, on the YouTube channel, and you'll not want to do that. Nice. Mm-hmm. One more note for you guys. So Odell Beckham Jr. hasn't picked his new team OBJ. yet. OBJ. And according to NFL media, he might take some time choosing his destination. Sure. We might wait until tomorrow to find out. But Diana Rossini had that it was the Chiefs, the Saints, the Packers, and maybe the Patriots that he might be interested in as landing spots. Saints, Patriots, Packers. I go Pack. Go win yourself a ring. Saints need him more because Michael Thomas is out for the year. Chiefs already have issues, obviously, at the receiver position. Hill is great, but I don't think Hardman has been what they expected. Josh Gordon is just kind of a guy there. You want to bring him into your organization where his dad's going on uh, Instagram and showing where the the QB is missing him countless times. You need to have a strong quarterback. Yep. 
And that's why I believe that the Packers would be the best choice. Listen, if he's going somewhere where people are being a distraction online, just join the Kansas City Chiefs because Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. is living in a tornado of online distractions from his family all the time. Really? So, what goes on with him? Oh, his fiance and his brother are constantly in the news for things that they're doing. Now, one thing about the Chiefs, his though. brother was dancing on, uh, on a, Sean Taylor's, Sean Taylor's no. memorial, doing yeah. a TikTok on the field. TikTok. A little TikTok act. One thing that is happening. You on TikTok yet? I'm not a TikToker, no. I refuse. Okay. Is that Patrick Mahomes, and he's not playing great, and part of the reason apparently is that he's kind of playing playground ball. And that's what OBJ plays. They don't play within the confines of a system. They just kind of go where they want to go. And Mahomes is doing that. So maybe that would be what OBJ would need is just to be able to get open and then Mahomes is running outside the pocket, finds him, and then they wind up making a play. But Odell Beckham Jr. is going to have to start catching the football when it's thrown to him as well. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. Coming up Thank next, you, Michelle. Thank you, Dan. We're going to cross things over with Danny Mac as we have the Danny Mac Show with BK coming up at the top of the hour here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Heading down the stretch of Carriker Smallman and Danny Mac here on 101 ESPN. And then at the top of the hour, Dan will be joined by Tanner Hendrickson and, of course, BK. That's right. Uh, talking baseball. We're talking and, baseball. Uh, and I know you're going to ask baseball me um, St. Louis. who's coming up on the show. Aren't who's coming you? up on the show, Dan? Well, I'm getting there, Randall. I am getting there. We are going to have Ben Clemens from Fangraphs talking about nice. the uh, top 50 free agents in the free agency pool and maybe what direction the Cardinals may go in this offseason. I believe, to me, the most intriguing free agent of this offseason, because I have no idea how much money he's going to get or how many, uh, who's going to pursue him, it's Chris Bryant. Oh, yes. He's intriguing. He is. Because yeah. Boris is his agent. So Boris is going to demand the big money. Copycat league. So you're looking at teams that could move them to first and center and right and play third and all that kind of stuff and and an impact bat. Right. But did not help the Giants after they acquired him down the stretch. It's been a long time since he's had a a good full season. Yeah. I, I, I would say Javi Baez all the Cub guys mm-hmm. yeah, are intriguing. Right. Rizzo, Rizzo, bad back. Rizzo, too, yeah. You know, how much do you want to invest in him if you're a team? You know who Those I'm are really, intriguing. I'm intrigued by Nicholas Castellanos, too. I'm That's re- a good one. I'm yeah. like, where does he go? How much money does he make? What role do they utilize him in? Because he's a guy that could be in the right position, a major spark for mm-hmm. a team. Is he the best bat on the market? I believe he is. And... For example, I, the Dodgers aren't, they just don't spend big money for position players in free agency. They trade for them or they develop them. But boy, would he be a good DH for the Dodgers. Oh, for anybody. <laughs> yeah. I mean, somebody said to me, uh, yeah, what do you think of Nicholas Castellanos? I said, guy can flat out rake. Yeah, but where would you put him in this lineup? I don't know. I'd figure it in, out. In the middle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Third or fourth. <laughs> yeah. Wherever yeah, can, you want. Can you imagine if the Cardinals acquired him to be the DH? And I was saying last week, Randy, you weren't here, but I would love his uh, his attitude coming to the Cardinals, too. A little sandpaper. I think that that would be great. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, you had that with Lance Lynn. You had it with John Lackey. You got it with A.J. Perzinski. Mm-hmm. There's something about those guys that, that uh, add... 
that they, I think it was Mo one time said it's a rusty nail. Yeah. You know, adding that rusty nail to your clubhouse. I'm all about it. And the root of that is his intensity in playing the game, which so many of these Cardinals players are anyway. So I think we view him differently because he's in the division in a different uniform. But if he were playing for the Cardinals, I think he would take on the same personality traits as Yachty or Nolan Arenado. Well, I talked to people in Cincinnati about him, and they said he was a gamer. I mean, he, Mm -hmm. you know, there were times he was hurt last Mm -hmm. couple of years in He was in that lineup every day and barring a major issue that he had. Now, he had a broken bone in his hand or whatever that was and couldn't grip or swing the bat. But, um, you know, when when there was a time that he wasn't even 100% many of the times that he was in that lineup, but wants to play, wants to compete, wants to win. One other quick question for you. Do you think Javi Baez is a player you add him to your team and he exponentially helps you win? Yes. He's a great defender, dynamic, one of the best defenders. He hits a lot of home runs in RBIs, but, man, he strikes out a lot. But does it really matter in today's game anymore? It, it, it's t- the eye of the beholder. Now, I, mm-hmm. I would think that some franchises would say it's we can handle strikeouts. We can't handle that many. But he's going to hit you 30 to 35, maybe 40 home runs. He's going to give you gold glove defense. Probably the best hands in baseball. It's incredible hands, quickness with his yeah. hands. Um, you could play him at second, play him at short. You could bounce him around, uh, drive in 90 to 100, and and come with uh, a fun attitude at the ballpark. Whether you like it or not, he plays with a flair, and it's fun. You know, yeah, I, yeah I, I, and you won with him with the Cubs, so he's already proven you can I, win with him. I, I would be... I'll be interested to see where he goes and what he does. He'd be a good angel. He'd be good going back with Madden. I think he'd be perfect for Seattle. That'd be another good spot. Yep. Great job today by our producer engineer, Emily Butcher. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. And Michelle, this was fun. It was. I will see you all tomorrow. And Danny will be back here with us tomorrow morning. You got a lot of guests, though. Maybe I should just take that off, let you guys. I don't think so. Nail it. You know, you guys are all over it. You add fun fun to the show, I was going to say, we, we would miss you too much, Dan. We uh, need to be here. Okay, I'll be here. <laughs> Reluctantly, I you'll be here. I love seeing you guys. No, I'll be here tomorrow. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your fun? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.